Please note, the conversations had and the advice given in this podcast should not be considered a replacement for therapy. Hello and welcome to Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, and sex. I'm Rachel Dalton and here with me is my co-host, Anna Lovelace. Hello, back at it again. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, we're we are on the other side. Yeah, yeah. We know uh, results. We have results. Yeah. Um. So, and they're what we wanted. So. Um. Yeah. Well. Yes. We. This is what my like my therapist and I have talked about. Of, um, we stopped the bleeding. Right. There's mm-hmm. still this huge wound. Yep. But we've at least stopped Mm -hmm. the like hemorrhaging and potential to immediate death yes exactly well and that's what i i've been telling people too i you know biden wasn't my first or my second or my third or or my fourth choice um but but you don't need to love biden to be happy that trump is gone (laughs) yes so uh yeah i i'm a little bit anxious to see what's going to happen in the last what 71 days of Trump's presidency. Yes, agreed. Um, and where that goes, but uh I do have to say Saturday, I think was the day that we we discovered mm-hmm. uh the yep. results for sure. And I just cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I cried a lot and I just didn't realize how I felt like I have just been holding my breath so much uh for the past 4 years. So, um Yeah. There's still a lot of work to be done. Yes. Uh, and uh, I am starting to have a sneaking suspicion about myself that I'm actually going to become more politically involved in the Biden administration because I don't want us to become um, complacent. Complacent. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually starting to feel that in me because I'm really afraid that other people are going to become, become complacent. So yeah. I'm, I'm aiming to push a little bit more. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I'm feeling better. Last week was awful. Yeah. Uh, how <laughs> we how are you last doing? week? <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Last week was it was such a. It is like during this time, I guess in particular, but I think any time someone's been a therapist during like a kind of world crisis or you know American crisis. Um. It was weird to be a therapist last week because I was literally like, I am so anxious. Yeah. Do I tell them? They can tell. Holy shit. Of course. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's experiencing something really tough together. So that was my weird experience, like just being very vulnerable myself and being like, okay, you know, how are you getting through this experience? Yeah. Right? And I think it's it's scary because like – it's scary and yet reassuring, right? Like, and I, I imagine um, that for some people who are coming into therapy, uh, it's it's scary to like, you know, have your therapist also admit, yeah, I'm freaked the fuck out too. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like my parents, like when my parents started freaking out, I was just like, oh, fuck. If like you guys who I just thought knew the answers to everything for so long growing up, like if you guys are freaked out, then like we're really fucked. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. I think it's very like humanizing experience, right? Yeah. For, for, for pa- parents, for people who have therapists, it's very much like, oh, you are actually also a human yep. being as well who goes through similar emotions. Yeah, definitely. So it's been a, it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but yeah. hey, we're recording. The last time we recorded was exactly a week before the election. We are now exactly a week after. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, all we can do is is be hopeful at this point. And uh, once keep, yeah, keep working, keep working. Yeah. Once Biden is in, push, push to get changes done. Um, but I uh, was very uh moved i think i i think yeah i'm happy about biden and everything of course but uh i i didn't even like love kamala harris all that much in the primaries but there mm. there's something about seeing a woman of color 
in this role for the first time. Um, yeah. There's something really powerful about it, even though, you know, she's not maybe my favorite person in the world. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is um, – I mean, I think nuance is very difficult right now. But, you know, there are things that people are very excited about, and then um, there are critiques which are completely valid, and mm -hmm. um, they need to be held to a very high standard moving forward. And, you know, I think the critiques are valid, but I also think the excitement is valid. Yeah. So it's it's a really, like, difficult space to exist in. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have my critiques and I'm doing my best to, uh, be hopeful and talk about it still and push others to talk about it because, um, you know, the work is, the work is going to matter now Yeah, more than and ever. all of these things can coexist. You know, mm -hmm. you, can, you can be happy that there is a woman of color in the White House and, um, as the vice president and yet, you know, still not love, uh, her history as a prosecutor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Um, uh, and I, I admit I need to do more research on her. I did a lot of research on, on Joe Biden prior to uh, when it kind of became clear that he was going to be the Democratic nominee. I did some research and um, yeah. I listened to Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us, where she uh, interviewed him and um, – yeah, I really enjoyed that interview. It was really interesting hearing him talk not as a politician, but right. uh, as a person. Um, and so You'll have I to link that because now I'm very interested. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, yeah, it's Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us, uh, where she she interviewed Joe Biden for about half an hour. And um, I I have to say, like I after listening to it, I really had a new respect for him as a as a human being. So yeah, I think I would like that yeah. i'd like to feel that <laughs> i'll just make a little episode note here to link to that podcast episode um so that i don't forget because i always forget <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I will fully fully agree that since saturday um each day i'm a little bit less anxious which is yeah that which is fantastic for my mental health so uh, and also allows me to do a lot more and give money right now and mm -hmm. give time to the spaces that still need it um which is awesome as well yeah it's funny I, i've definitely found myself i like reverted back to a childhood state uh <laughs> over the weekend and uh <clears throat> my partner was over and we were like what do you want to watch let's watch something and i just kept suggesting all of these kids movies <laughs> and he was like let's like watch Westworld or you know let's watch this like cult documentary and I'm just like no I want to watch Thumbelina like <laughs> <laughs> no I want Thumbelina <laughs> <laughs> and he was like okay um, but but I just my brain just needed something simple <laughs> yeah something it couldn't comforting. do it yeah so uh I feel like I'm still on that train. I got like no work done last week. And so um, yeah. after we finish recording tonight, I'm, I'm going to have to get back to work, get some stuff done. So yeah, I, I fully agree. Last week was my sessions. I was there. I was present. I was uh, frankly crushing it for how much anxiety I had. Um, <laughs> but everything else was trash like i was just like i'm gonna let these things go that Slide. don't need to yeah. be done yeah especially because you know last week i had uh you know some emergency sessions um <clears throat> because of the election of course you know other circumstances so i did what i could and then other than that i didn't do jack shit yep, um, yep. Ate yeah like I started, crap. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i started watching uh an anime an anime i haven't seen um just cartoons for me yeah, are super comforting. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I you just have to I I ordered I literally had McDonald's fries and a large McDonald's Coke because like you know that McDonald's Coke is superior to all other Coke. It just hits different. It really does. Um, <laughs> and so election day, I'm like panic the, the day after election day, I'm like panic watching CNN. I can't tell you how many rounds of bejeweled I played on my phone. Oh my God. Um like as I was watching the results come in and I'm just like shoving mcdonald's fries in my mouth it was yeah a sight to behold for sure <laughs> maybe this fry will make it better yes. and then you get to the next one you're like maybe this one maybe it's this one. One. 
but yeah uh but yeah we made it we're here um you know we we knew we were gonna of course touch on the election a little bit but we also know that um as you mentioned like people want to come come here for a little bit of an escape sometimes um yeah from from that real world stuff whether it be an escape to talk about serious shit like uh you know uh abuse or trauma of any kind or whether it be an escape to talk about like funny stuff um right little little weird things so uh you know wherever you're wherever you're why ever you're here whatever okay i can't whoever is here (laughs) yeah whatever the reason that you are here uh yeah we we got you um so what are we talking about today what are we talking about today um we're we're talking about how to keep long-term relationships what what would what would we say? Sexy, uh, sexy, and alive. Yeah, sexy and live, mixing it up. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm curious about this. Um, about your advice, like as as a therapist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just having been in a relationship for almost three and a half years at this point. Well, not not exactly, but like over three years at this point. Um, yeah. Like I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, that's gonna happen at some point. I didn't think it would, but like it will. Um. Yeah, so. I just want to like. I I honestly wish like I wish we had some like live listeners. Does that make any sense? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because for me, I'm I'm trying to think of like, what are we scared of? Like, what are people scared of that that the sex will stop? That it won't be fun? That it'll be routine? Like, I wonder what it is for most people that there's that fear or that experience in the relationship where you kind of feel that uh, or you feel in a rut. Yeah, um, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to pull up uh, one of the Google Docs we have because there's a book that I can recommend that um, I think just kind of sums up uh, how I feel about, like, long-term relationships and what that danger is. But I think, like, the most important thing is to, like, first recognize that these things are going to come in waves. There are going to be times when you kind of just, like, don't feel like touching your partner. And there's going to be times when, like, you're having really good, you know, frequent sex. Right. Um, and I know uh, for me, it has been in my last relationship, I didn't, um, you know, we didn't have sex for very long stretches at a time. And yeah. that was one of the things that was wrong with the relationship. But I find that now in my current relationship, when we go like a stint without having sex, I start worrying that something is wrong in the relationship. Yeah. And because that's the past. Because that's the past. And right. so um, pretty frequently, I I say to my partner, you know, um, like we haven't had sex in a while. Like, is something wrong? And, you know, it's been really hard this year because like we're just sitting around at home a lot. Um right now we're kind of depressed and like not eating mm-hmm. the best and when you're not like feeling your best then you know there's just a lot of reasons why you know maybe you're having um less frequent sex uh this yeah. year in particular yeah okay so that is helpful because then we'll just like focus in on sex um yeah and i think this happens quite a lot um right and i think sex in particular is super difficult like you said, because there are so many factors that play into sex, sexual desires, like sexual functioning. So it's, you know, what do we even address? Like, what do we do first, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's personal issues. Sometimes it's an issue within the relationship. Sometimes it's both. Um, but I do think, truthfully, checking in is never a bad thing. Absolutely. And if you're in the right relationship, like – it's it's going to be welcomed, right? Um, right. It's it's good. Yeah, and it, and it can be something fun to talk about. Like it doesn't always. And I feel like when I'm talking to some clients, it's like, oh god, I have to bring up talking about sex, and it's going to be an issue, and I'm going to bring it up because we're not having it, and it feels bad. And then every time I bring it up, like it's associated with this negative thing, right? And and that fucking happens, right? Or it happens in the way of every time I make an advance, my partner denies me and right. it makes me feel bad. So then when we talk about sex, I already have these negative feelings like there's something wrong with me, right? There are so many things that are happening that 
you know, are not being spoken about either individually or with each other that can definitely make even the conversation really difficult and really negative. So it's finding ways to kind of look at it. You know, I want to bring sex up because I want to be having it more, but it doesn't have to be a critique. It can be something that feels fun. Like, okay, like I'm very attracted to you. I want to feel physical with you. What do you want to do tonight? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what's that going to feel like? Or, you know, sometimes there, there, there also does need to be these really serious conversations, especially if there's not that baseline of communication. But not every single one has to feel like this is going to be the worst moment of my life. I agree. Yeah, it really um, – just starting out by saying some, some – I cannot speak today. Um, <laughs> it's because I had no meetings. I This is like the first time I'm talking all day. Um, <laughs> to, to a human being, yeah. <laughs> just been sitting in my room writing on, on the walls uh, by myself. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think it can really be as simple as saying something like – I really want to feel close to you. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't need to start out being sexy. I mean, so taking it back to like the love languages uh, that we discussed, um, foreplay doesn't start with like the physical necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. Foreplay can start with having a nice dinner together and like setting a mood that way or, you know, giving someone a massage and setting the mood that way. Um, But just saying to your partner – I want to feel close to you and seeing how they react to that and what, you know, they might suggest um, mm-hmm. to, to feel close. I know for me, my partner will text me and say he just likes to have like political arguments or arguments about like religion. And like we may agree on it, but he just wants to like take the devil's advocate side because mm. it's, fun. it's fun for him. Um, and it's it's fine because that's how we banter. Like that's how we um, – that's an okay thing for yeah for you. Yeah, and I know it's not for everybody. And like you know, he's even met people in my life, and they're really like put off by it at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like how he is, and it's one of the things that you know I I love about him. Um, and uh, it's a really big way that the two of us like connect because if we're if we're sparring mentally, it's almost like foreplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so if you ask your partner like what can we do? Or you have a sense of what your partner considers, you know, that pre-foreplay foreplay. Right. Um, you can suggest something like that. I mean, even just having, we live in a world where we're at home most of the time. Our phones are out all the time. We're in front of our computer screens all the time. So even just something as simple as turning off the phones for the night and like ordering some really good ingredients to make like a four course meal or something. Right. Um sometimes it's just breaking up that monotony. Yeah. Well, you know what it's funny because whether it's sex or just like uh because I hear this a lot of like, you know, it's been fucking 10 years and yep. we do the same thing every day. Yep. Absolutely. And I'm kind of in that experience of like you know, you know there's not a lot for me to say in that of like I'm like, yeah, um, yes, that is your routine. Life is fairly routine for a lot of people. So what do you want to do about it? Absolutely. Right? Like if you both are happy and it just feels routine, that's a little bit of an easier conversation than, you know, having that recognition of like, oh, I am not happy and this is why this is happening. And I think right? it's I important think to difference. know that difference. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, I think it's really important to know that difference between am I – is there something wrong with the relationship or am I unhappy with the dynamic that we have currently? Right. Right. Because um, one can lead to like exactly. potentially this fun conversation mm-hmm. that we're like, okay, how, you know, maybe the other person's like, oh, I'm feeling this way too. Like this is great. We're on the same page, right? How do we make this more fun? Do you want to plan a vacation if, you know, if viable? Do you want to do a staycation? Do you want to, you know – Honestly, work from home and work in separate rooms, damn it. Like, yeah. don't see each other all day long, right? If the issue is I'm unhappy in the relationship, that those are going to be a little bit more serious conversations, Definitely. right? That's not going to be about just stagnation of routine, which everyone feels at one point or another. It's going to be, okay, then what's going on within the relationship that's making you feel this way? Yeah. And that might lead to, you know, couples therapy or whatever it may be. Right. Um, I do have 
two recommendations, uh, recommended reading, I suppose. This can be recommended reading corner. Um, (laughs) So people who know me uh, and as we go on this podcast, I'm going to bring this person up a fuck ton because they're my favorite relationship therapist. Um, (laughs) Esther Perel uh, has a book called Mating in Captivity unlocking erotic intelligence and um it's on my to read list i have it on my bed bedside table but i also have like six other books in front of it to get to mm-hmm. um but i wanted to read uh just a really quick uh synopsis of it uh because i think that you know we can talk about it here but she has an entire fucking book about it yeah um okay so a New York City therapist examines the paradoxical relationship between domesticity and sexual desire and explains what it takes to bring lust home One of the world's most respected voices on erotic intelligence, Esther Perel, offers a bold, provocative, and new take on intimacy and sex. Mating in Captivity invites us to explore the paradoxical union of domesticity and sexual desire and explains what it takes to bring lust home. Drawing on more than 20 years of experience as a couples therapist, Perel examines the complexities of sustaining desire. Through case studies and lively discussion, Perel demonstrates how more exciting, playful, and even poetic sex is possible in a long-term relationship. Right. Wise, witty, and as revelatory as it is straightforward, mating in captivity is mating in captivity is a sensational book that will transform the way you live and love. Which I, I honestly think, even just the synopsis and like the title of the book is like perfect, Bam. like beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. because <laughs> that's really something that I hear all the time, right? Like, I fucking <laughs> I see where this person shits. Yeah. You know, in that, honestly and truly, it sounds ridiculous. But there is something about cohabitating. Yep. And having that mystery about a human being uh, being gone. That is so funny that you bring that up because the next (laughs) recommended reading that I have is a book that actually my partner uh, recommended to me and we both read it. And uh, actually, it's one of the reasons why we... uh, are not living together yet um, and why yeah. we will not for a while. Uh, it's called The Agony of Eros and the author name, I'm going to butcher it, um, uh, Byung Chul Han. Okay. And um, it's he's a European philosopher. And in this book, uh, he discusses the unknown Mm-hmm. And that's that mystery, exactly what you're talking about, how that unknown is such an important part of a relationship and how the longer that you're with somebody, the more that unknown starts to fade. And so if you can just have like some unknowns in your life. Oh, also, it's funny. Um, so the author, it says here, offers a survey of threats to Eros, drawing on a wide range of sources, including Lars von Trier's film Melancho- Melancholia. Wagner's Tristan Isolde, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Foucault, um, and a bunch of other uh, philosophers, including Plato. Yeah. So that one is like hard for me, right? Because, you know, ultimately closeness um, and honesty and openness makes for a very beautiful companionship and relationship. Um, But I, I, I unfortunately do agree to a certain extent that sometimes it does take away a certain like yeah like maybe like this fun sexy spark mm-hmm. where you're like oh my god who like who is this person right right but i you know i don't think it is a negative right like i don't no. think you should you know hide parts of yourself oh, gosh, to make no. it no, no. right to make it sexy <laughs> but like uh, i do find that with time sex and love you know evolves it changes and Absolutely. I don't think it has to be this negative thing. And I and I think people find it to be this negative thing because excitement's exciting. Like, it's it's fun, right? It, but it's finding a way to have that and experience that in your current relationship in whatever way that it feels most comfortable. Exactly. And I, I agree. I don't think that it's a negative thing. And I, I don't think that um, this book, which I read like maybe two years ago, um, it doesn't necessarily right. define it as – as a negative thing um okay good but but they call it they call it the other um love requires the courage to accept self-negation for the sake of discovering other whatever that means 
Um, but it also it also is talking about like social media and and um the the uh pornography and how pornography mm. can impact this idea of love. Um, it just it's, it's yeah. really interesting. It brings talks about capitalism, politics, love, um, society. It's uh, a, a a dense read, but it's only like not very many pages. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but that it, sounds very helpful. Right? It is, and it's just it's it's a philosophy book, right? So like, it's not a self help book. It's not telling you how to keep your relationships more sexy. If you were to do that, then I would definitely recommend Esther Perel's book, um, right. uh, Mating in Captivity. But uh, from a philosophical perspective, it's interesting to read about this idea that there's this other. But that kind of brings me to a suggestion that I have for people who are in longer term relationships who maybe are missing that mystery and that you know other. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, and you see this all the time in TV and stuff and people think it's hokey, but you know what? Like I would give it a try someday. (laughs) When bars are a thing again, you go to the bar, your partner comes separately and you pretend you don't know each other. Yeah. Like why not? What do you have to lose? Right. That's the thing. Like genuinely, what do you have to lose? If you're already not having sex, you might as well get a laugh out of something together, which might spark the sex anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And so if, I mean, if the, if the unknown or the other or the, um, mystery, I guess, uh, the desire to not have monotony is what you're missing. Just find ways to do that. Whether that be switching it up and maybe incorporating a blindfold, um, you know, and I, I do know that we have on our docket, we're going to be talking about um, when you take away one of the senses during sex mm-hmm. and, and what effect that can have um, on you and, and your experience. Uh, right. But that can be a really interesting way or like switch up power dynamics. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's also something important to mention of like, um, and, you know, maybe this is like, what would you say? Um, ra- like radical thought, but like also... Um, you know, non-monogamy exists. Yep. Like, if that isn't, like, it, it is very much an open and understandable avenue, right? And, you know, I, I mean, this has to do with a little bit of, like, the the greater, the, the systems at large, right? We're told that love and relationships have to look one way, but truth be told, they do not at all. Nope. Right? If we're being honest and ethical and open and, like, communicative with one partner, all partners, whatever it looks like, then we can have multiple healthy relationships. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something you obviously have to discuss with your partner. Yes, uh, of course. (laughs) And have really set rules about. Um, You know, I, like, have never done non-monogamy polyamory in any uh, form, but uh, I do know people for for whom it has worked. I also Mm -hmm. know people for whom, uh, because they didn't have good communication, it crashed and burned. Uh, so I mean, communication is really the set, but if you're both, if you both love each other and like, you just really are missing the mystery of, you know, new sexual partners. And that's really, you know, your thing that you're missing. You can talk to your partner and if they're up for it, then yeah, give it a shot. Um, but communication really has to be number one on that. Yeah. You know, no matter if it's monogamous or non-monogamous, um, communication is as important in every single arena. Like, <laughs> no matter Definitely. the type of relationship, you need to be communicating. Um, but yeah, I would say that particular attention to what each person you're you're allowing into your life feels comfortable with, which is something that we should already be doing. Um, but yeah, for some people, it's like, hell yeah, this is the thing that I want to do. This feels mm-hmm. really awesome. And for some people, it's like, oh my God, this is so much effort. I, I can't be bothered. Or, you know, some people are That's just That's how like, I feel. I'm a lazy piece <laughs> of shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some people have this more traditional of re- idea of relationships, which it's just figuring out what mm-hmm. works best for you. Yeah, what works best for you, what works best for your partner, and um, what can you compromise on, and what are your hard no's? Right. So, uh, and I mean, it should be mentioned too that like communication isn't sexy, like, <laughs> it, it, but it can be like the, the things that come out of communicating, the intimacy that can come out of communicating, the closeness that can come out of that, like that's sexy. I think it's real sexy when someone tells me how they're feeling, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm also a real, you know, I'm, I am a bit of a weirdo, right? Like I'm a <laughs> therapist for me, someone being <laughs> 
you know, emotionally stable and communicative, I'm like, hell yeah, this is the this is the bomb. Like, I love this. Yeah. Come <laughs> no, at me I mean, right now. Right, right. Stop Clearly talking. if it's if it's like, <laughs> um, Anna, you did something fucked up and like this is how I'm feeling, I'm not gonna be like, ooh sexy like <laughs> i fucked up <laughs> right i'm clearly going to listen and understand and, and do better but yeah i do love someone who can express emotions clearly um definitely that that is like a huge a huge thing i'm the same way um and i, I think that it i mean that's why we're here right is because we're both those people <laughs> right um and, and, yeah and it weirds some people out and i mean uh, something that i've been thinking about a lot lately is there are going to be some people that you are too much for but those right. are not your people exactly um exactly and at the end of the day like yeah that's what it is uh so yeah i think i think that there are lots of ways that you can work to make relationships sexy and alive you can actually change up what you're doing during sex you can um do like pre-foreplay foreplay i guess i guess that's what right. i call it it would be wooing right it'd be the whining and dining as it were i guess right? yes right before the 69ing uh but yeah the whining and dining the just making your partner because half of the time in my past and I'm lucky that this isn't the case in my current relationship and in my past relationships. In the times like when I haven't felt sexy or when I haven't, it's because I don't feel seen, hmm. right? Yeah. Like it's because I don't, I don't feel like I'm a priority to this person. I, I feel like this person is on their phone around me all the time or wrapped up in their own problems or you know not actually listening to me or it's yeah. just a, a lack of like feeling seen. Yeah. And so if you can put yourself in a situation. Where And I mean, when I did want to, um, you know, get intimate, it was when the partner put their own stuff aside and, you know, actually saw me. Right. Yeah. Um, I really hate the phone thing. I really yeah. hate it. It's yeah. just like, a, it's a pet peeve. It's a pet peeve. <laughs> I um, used to be really good at it. Um, <laughs> my partner yells at me sometimes now because I'll be on the phone. And I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, we have the same friend group now. Like, they're texting you too. And we're trying right. to make plans. Um, so I I admit that I need – I was really good about it in the beginning. Um, and I need to get back to being to being better at it and, you know, turning my phone off when we're when we're doing date night. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just something you talk to your partner about, mm -hmm. especially if it's a pet peeve. Like, am I like no phones ever? No, of course not. Like, if there's an emergency, please answer your phone and help your people. Um, but – Talk to your partners, you know, yeah. if they have something that's going to piss them off, make sure you know exactly what it is about it and like what what the things are that are going to piss that person exactly. off. Exactly. Right? Because then you can have better sex at the end of the day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. Communication, it's like I said, it isn't sexy, but like it can be sexy because of what it leads to. Exactly. Right. And there is also another aspect to this of um being happy with yourself right Absolutely. like you said right if if i like if i'm inside all the time if i'm a little bit depressed if i like ate a bunch of food and don't feel like super good um like physically i feel ill or you know or like i just feel not super great about my body today like those are things that are also going to affect sex and for each of us it, it is you know to a certain extent like our responsibility to go mm -hmm. ahead and you know get a therapist or do what we need to do to to kind of work through that because our issues affect the people around us and they Absolutely. clearly you know they clearly affect us so it's getting to a space of like okay you know what i don't want to feel like this anymore and i don't want to have this outcome anymore what can i do to start working on myself yeah, definitely. I mean, I um I feel like that's one of the reasons I started, you know, working out, which um I feel like, you know, again, I probably really could have used working out more last week, but I just was paralyzed, I feel like, in fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. Uh but one of the reasons that I, you know, started working out again is I just was like, I don't feel sexy. And it's really hard for me to want to have sex when I myself do not feel sexy. Yeah. Um. And so you know, it was like okay. I. I. And I, the the thing that made me realize was so you know I, I went to theater school. I majored in musical theater in college. In addition to um English, really uh, viable career options there. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I've had lots of lots of 2 a.m. conversations with myself in the recent weeks about <laughs> those choices. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I recalled that I was thinking back to when I was a junior and senior in high school. And I was taking uh, stage combat classes, which is, you know, basically learning how to fight or have the appearance of fighting on stage mm-hmm. in a safe way. Um, and I just remembered I would leave those classes and I would be so horny. Yeah. <laughs> and it just was like it, I was fighting. I was feeling active. I felt powerful. Yeah, strong, um, confident. Strong. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean, there's yeah. a reason that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorite things in this world. It's all right. those <laughs> things. It, it makes me feel strong. It makes me feel sexy. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of a d- disconnect right now for me realizing that even though working out in the moment feels awful to me, and it, it won't right. someday, but it does right now, um, <laughs> the way that I do feel afterwards, especially when I take like a kickboxing class, makes me feel really fucking badass. Yeah, and that makes me horny. Yeah, right. I mean, like, literally going back to episode one, right? Yep. There are certain things that really put us in a space of feeling strong and confident and desirable. And and we have to feel that way to like to be able to do the things, right? Not always, right? Sometimes it is okay to not be like, oh, I feel like a, you know, you don't need to feel like a fucking rock star every day. Right, right. But knowing that, okay, this is something that helps me. So how am I going to try and incorporate it? Exactly. And like I know that like in my case, I just – the best sex that I have is when I feel powerful. It's when I'm really in my feminine and I'm – I'm not going to get too graphic here. But it's when I feel (laughs) like I (laughs) – it's when I feel like my partner is at my mercy, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a sexy way. Like <laughs> in a sexy way. Uh but just like where I I feel so in my feminine and so powerful as a woman that I'm like yeah, like I I am looking at this person, I am seeing how much pleasure I am giving them just by nature right. of being me and right. that makes me feel so fucking good. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it make like it makes sense, right? When we are having sex with a partner, before we're having sex with a partner, like for a lot of people to see them be in awe of us or to see them, you know, really want to have sex with us, to have them give us compliments, like it's going to make us feel good and we're going to want to do the things like, and, and there is for a lot of people, a lot of joy out of pleasing someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time in day-to-day activity of like people pleasing, Yep, you know, essentially, that is what it looks like not in sex and in sex hopefully you know and and this is also an issue with people pleasing but hopefully you're not just doing it to please the other person right and you're getting mutual joy sure um but yeah you know there's something to seeing someone enjoy something we're doing that gives us more confidence and like fuels the fire definitely and i i mean it comes back to I think there are just a, a few things that you can do if you're feeling stagnant um, in a relationship. I mean, part of it is sexual and part of it's emotional, right? Because like I'm thinking about in in my last relationship. Um, and if any of our listeners happen to be that person or that person's loved one, this person is wonderful. Um, they're a really great human being. And, uh, you know, we weren't the right fit for each other, but uh, <laughs> he he really is a really decent person. Um, and I really do wish him all, all the best in this world. So, right. uh, just because just he, caveat. yeah, just because he is my example, um, doesn't mean that like, I hate his guts or anything. I do hate most of my ex-boyfriends, but right. I do not hate this one. Um, okay. he, he is a good person. <laughs> uh, but you know, we just weren't compatible at the end of the day. Um, right. but anyway, like when I think about that relationship, I think about just a, a mismatch of needs and I think about how, Sometimes when things aren't sexy and alive, it's an issue at base with the relationship. Sometimes the reason that things aren't sexy and live is because you're in the wrong relationship, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's because, you know, you're just missing that spark or that mystery or that novelty. 
And you can bring that in either whether it be emotionally by doing that whining and dining. You can do it sexually by mixing things up in the bedroom. And you can communicate about it to figure out like how to get on the same page as your partner. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I, You know, this is something that is more of a thought that's forming as you're kind of talking about that. But I also, maybe personally, I believe this. I don't know. Professionally, I don't. This is not coming my from my therapist voice. This is coming from my hum, human voice. These are my favorite um, moments is when you drop these little, these little <laughs> snippets from. This is just a thought. So I wonder that some times people are just not a good fit sexually yeah right and it has nothing to do with relationship like the relationship could be super loving and amazing uh and maybe it has nothing to do with mystery because you had tried things but sometimes i i do believe that you'll you'll get with a person and for whatever reason it just won't be there yeah yeah and i mean there are people that um are ace and you know just that isn't part of the equation. And so you need to find different ways to feel intimate and connected in other ways. Right. Um, you know, and there are people that you're going to have different libidos from. There are people who are going right. to have kinks that do not match up with yours. And like, you know, maybe your your parts just don't fit the right way. You know, there, mm-hmm. are, there are lots of reasons why somebody might not be a sexual fit for you. And that's totally valid right. and okay. Right. Yeah. And then now, now back into the, so that was just like a thought, but now the therapist thought, sometimes I have the thoughts and then I can answer it. (laughs) (laughs) Two way conversation with yourself. Oh, all the time. Um, but, oh, now I lost what I was going to say. I think it was just thinking about, um, oh, knowing that, knowing your needs, Mm -hmm. knowing if sex is something that you need to be like fiery and often knowing that you know if you're with someone who chooses not to have sex or can't have sex or doesn't want to have sex like you have to make the decision and that can be together that can be in your therapy of like you know can I can I do this can I do this can I be in this relationship um without sex if nothing changes can I be in it if it does change right so it's really evaluating what your needs are, um, you know, and doing that in like a kind way and, and to yourself and to your partner and just kind of figuring out most importantly at the end of the day, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And honoring that 100%. Right. Cause it's, I think it's hard. I think it's tough. Like when you're, when you're in a relationship, you aren't, you should be your number one priority. Right. Um, I always, I always say that to my partner. I say, I love you. I love me more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so you should be your number one priority. But like your partner is also going to be high up on that priority list. They should be. Right. Right. Um, Even if they're not number one. Right. Uh, And there I think that there sometimes can be some pressure that comes from that, especially I mean, I don't uh, you probably could speak more to like, you know, non um, uh, straight relationships, but like. Mm -hmm. I know for me, in certain relationships, there has been a pressure that I as the woman or I as the girlfriend, it was my duty or my job to like give in and give, provide sex even when I didn't want to because otherwise yeah. he would go away. Um, yeah. And that's problematic in so many ways that I can't even begin to count. But I mean, there is that pressure of if your partner wants it and you don't. And that's where the communication comes in, right? Like, what are the expectations? What are the desires? Um, Yeah. What are the needs? Um, Right, exactly. And I think that, right, for, you know, relationships that aren't heterosexual, it's... That's the word I was looking for. I was like, what is the (laughs) word? Brain is Yeah, for relationships outside, like, the, the heterosexual, heteronormative kind of feelings, I think, ultimately... Communication, of course, still always matters. Um, but I do think that depending on the space each individual takes up, uh, it can get to those more like radical type of ideas of, um, you know, like, I don't need to have an orgasm during sex. Yes. I don't need penetration for this to be sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't need to fake this orgasm for anyone. Yep. 
because I think that things are already not this like heteronormative experience where, you know, penis and vagina is sex and then you have to fake your orgasm because you need to be a good woman. When those are taken away, especially gender roles, um, I do think there's a little bit more freedom. Uh, I, I will say this, that just because someone is in like the LGBTQ community does not mean that they don't have those things still though. Right. Of course. Right. Like as a, as if you identify or you've been um, conditioned as a woman, I do think for sure there are still going to be those feelings of like, Oh, I need to please. Right. No matter where you're at, you're kind of like life. Um, but yeah, yeah, constant struggle. (laughs) Yeah. I want to say that like more often than not, I have seen, more communication or or at least more acknowledgement of uh, what you want to say like divergent ways of, of like being yeah. in the LGBTQ community just because unfortunately we have to talk about our sex. I think I think about that a lot um, and I frequently yeah. think uh, you know I, I wouldn't be equipped to write an article on this but uh, somebody should and I'm sure there are ones out there that just there are so many things that I think that the LGBT community is doing right in sex. And Mm -hmm. I think that you are exactly right. And I think we've had this conversation before that it just comes from like having to learn to accept yourself and having to learn to communicate about who you are and just like coming up like against roadblock and roadblock and roadblock Mm -hmm. and just so much so that when you finally like have embraced that, it's, it's just beautiful and it's like fuck everything else, you know? Yeah, well, ultimately, right, like, if you're not within the binary, if you're not heterosexual, we are forced, Mm -hmm. right? We're forced to come out. We're forced to have a conversation about who we are, what our gender is, who we want to have sex with, right? So it's kind of something that we are, like, forced to come face-to-face with Mm -hmm. because the society has made it that way. I mean, for better or for worse, though, I, I do believe that forcing forces us to at least talk about it, acknowledge it. Um, and you become a and, better and, communicator. And and that's the hope, right? I mean, that is the hope and that is with like saying with privilege and that is if you are safe because a lot of people can't have those conversations, aren't safe, you know, are very depressed, ha- have all these gender dysphoria things. Like the things that I'm saying are someone who is very lucky and like privileged to be able to have those experiences and still be supported. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, unfortunately it is, it is a forced <laughs> experience. Um, and I some, sometimes literally forced, um, which is awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, a I have, a friends, a lesbian couple, um, I have gay friends. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, um, but what I what I mean to say is not that. Uh, I, I joke, but not that. I think that one of the most beautiful relationships that I have seen um, is, betwi- is between uh, two women that I, I call friends. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the reasons why it works so well for them is because um, – of everything that you just said, having I, I'm not going to divulge their story here, but um, yeah. you know, just having to face that, having to learn that individually, and as two individuals learning it together, um, and then just over communicating, like, right. and I say over communicating as if it's a bad thing, but it's it's not. I is there? Do you think there's such a thing as over communicating? This is like a total segue but like i i don't know that i think that there is i think that you can communicate in incorrect ways but i think that if you're communicating in an empathetic way there really isn't such a thing as over communicating i don't have a good answer um i think to a certain extent the person you're with does not need to know every single thought that comes into your head Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's just a thought right and sometimes we need to process that thought and maybe after we process it or talk to our therapist about it we're like I did not need to say that thing and I saved myself this person like having a whole conversation about something that doesn't really exist for me. Right. So I think to a certain extent like 
yes and no. Like, does every single literal thought need to be shared? Right, yeah. Probably not. Um, do you need to communicate about things that are, you know, imperative to the relationship right. and how you're feeling? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there's something to be learned from that. Like, the more that you communicate and there's, there's a real people, you know, look down on and laugh at couples who have been married for a long time. And they're like, oh, like, you know, there's these jokes about how the wife doesn't put out anymore or like, you know, how the couple might not be having sex anymore or the old ball and chain jokes, like whatever they are. And again, those are heteronormative references that I'm giving. But um, I, I don't know. Personally, I think there's something pretty fucking beautiful about the security of a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, just tolerating another human being yeah, for that, for that long, long. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my partner is, um, my best friend, my favorite person. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know, like I, the thought of only having sex with one person for the rest of my life, like doesn't really bother me. Um, uh, yeah. and I also, I think that, in a long-term situation, what you want to hope for is at the at base that the person that you're spending forever with is your best friend. And that sounds hokey, but you know what I mean. Is your best friend yeah. because what you're basically doing is you're making a commitment to try to grow together. And the sex is going to fade. You know, your looks may fade. The bodies may fade. Um, but if at base, like your souls are still connected in that way, you're going to be able to communicate in the ways that you need to, to keep that relationship alive, both in like a sexual way and a non-sexual way. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, um, you know, cohabitating, uh, mm-hmm. if you have, if you're going to have kids co-parenting, like yep. being able to be in the same space together, if that's what you're choosing for your relationship style, like, yeah, I think, yeah, at the very least not, hate the sight of the person every exactly. day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is, I mean, like over and over again, hugely about communication. But yeah, you know, there are some specific LGBTQ terms. Well, just one that's coming to mind. But I, I'm i like, so sorry if, am I, if I'm divulging like- No, LGBTQ bring it out, bring it out. Um, oh, well, you you're know. not apologizing to me. Never mind. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm apologizing to the community that I'm a part of. Um, but like there is very much something and it's like you know what I almost like cringe saying it because I maybe it is only for our community so straight people please do not say this um but I'm going to say it because I'm not a straight people Mm -hmm. uh it is something called lesbian bed death I have never heard of this before yeah maybe I'm just like really niche queer basically lesbian person and I hear this all the time but um it is the same feeling as being in that long term uh, long-term relationship and not having sex anymore hmm. uh, but the way that it is stereotyped is that that happens uh fairly quickly into a lesbian relationship right hmm. and and truth be told i actually don't know where it originates um and and why it has been because right anytime we we look at like a stereotype it's said because it's been repeated or because right. there's some amount of belief in it um so i actually don't know where it comes from but it's very much a thing um and you know i've I, most of my clients are also within the community and this is something that i have heard so uh, and I also think the stereotype for gay men is that they're having sex all the time forever. Right. Not necessarily um, true. Yeah. So it's looking at each relationship is going to be different. Each relationship has their, you know, stereotypes and um, gender roles mm-hmm. and, you know, heteronormative things, sexist things, homophobic things, transphobic things. Yep. It's doing your best to explore those on your own you know, explore through those, explore them with your, your partner and figure out, uh, what, what needs to go and what you would like to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes, I mean, like you said, for 
for all types of relationships. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, stereotypes are there for some reason at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the stereotypes are, are 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 sad and I it's almost like there's like a pressure to conform to them at some point. That's just right. odd. Um, but I mean, ultimately, like what it comes down to is communicating. I mean, you communicate with your partner, you communicate with yourself, you know, you you figure out individually, okay, is there something that I can do mm-hmm. by myself individually to, you know, help this I don't want to say problem, but you know what I mean. Um, to help the situation a little bit. Uh, is there a conversation we can have as a couple, and are there actions we can take as a couple? Right. Um, to just to to work. I mean, that's what a relationship is, right? Like when it comes to keeping things sexy and alive in a relationship, as what in the bedroom, as well as like in every other part of the relationship. You look at what you can do as an individual, and you talk about what you can do as a unit. Right. And and I think there's a myth that I would like to dispel of like if relationships are good, they're easy. Like, bitch, Mm-mm. no. Relationships are always hard. Yep. They're always hard, right? It doesn't have to be like oh, it shouldn't be you know painstaking every single day, but communication is hard. Being vulnerable is hard. Yep. Trusting another person is hard, right? Having conversations about how to raise the kids, having conversations about um money. Having conversations yeah. pretty much about anything is work and we'll right? we will so, be talking about money coming up soon too it's on our, we've on like, our docket yeah we've touched so many topics that we're gonna have like full I know, little, things on little, today uh, glimmers little spoilers you guys right <laughs> but that's the thing i want to say like yeah. it, it should be fun it should be joyful mm-hmm. it should be pleasant you should get a lot from it um you know maybe the work to to pleasure ratio is even right and that feels good but it's it's knowing just individually that yep. relationships are going to take work no matter what. And, and it's just about knowing, am, am I ready to put in this effort? Am yes. I ready to put in this work? And both parties kind of have to do that work for themselves. And I mean, it, it is going to be hard. I mean, there's, there's a tough balance to strike too, right? Because like, I know that for me in the past, I... I would keep in mind like, you know, oh, well, relationships are work. And it was like, no, Rachel, you're miserable and this is just not the right match. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It has to so, be a balance. Yeah. But but there is, you know, yeah, there are going to be days when like having that conversation is hard or when that person hurts your feelings and you need to talk about it or, right. you know, when something's going on in your life individually and, you know, that person supports you through it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm in the healthiest relationship of my life and it's easy most of the time, but it's really hard other times. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's okay because at the end of the day, it's the hard times are the ratio of like, you know, hard to easy is worth it for me. Right. So it's just right. about figuring out like what, what feels right of that ratio between, mm-hmm. between hard and easy. Um, yeah. Yes. Thank you for that clarification. Cause yeah, please do not stay in a relationship that is, you know, unhealthy or abusive or not good for you if, if it's not good for you, right? Yeah. And, and knowing your boundaries is incredibly important as well. Yeah. Don't say, oh, well, relationships are supposed to be hard. And it's like, no, like you shouldn't be crying yourself to sleep every night. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, uh, it's supposed to be hard. I'm just going to suffer every day. Yeah, like, no, yeah. no, no. It's, it's definitely gonna be a hard. For sure. Yeah. But it's, it, it, I don't think to the point of, you know, it's been five years and I'm crying myself to sleep every night. Yeah. Then yeah. we maybe need to have a conversation. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's at the end of the day, always therapy and communicating. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Uh, the only thing to prescription. Talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good. I think, um, do we have any like calls out to the listeners? Um, things that like we wouldn't mind them writing in about? Um, I mean, I would love to hear if there are like any long-term people who are in this long-term relationship or you know monogamous or non-monogamous that they do to kind of keep things going or if someone wants to talk about like hey i'm having trouble with Mm -hmm. this would love to we we could definitely talk about it either way yeah cool well guys um thanks for listening we're back i can speak for myself saying that uh i had a shit ton of energy today i think just uh from i don't know the 
not stressful feeling that something's on my chest. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll be back uh, next week for an episode. I don't remember what the topic is offhand, but we did spend a few minutes before we started recording um, outlining our next few episodes. So we have some really yes. exciting things coming up that we uh, are really excited to talk about. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else that you have? No, I think I'm I'm good to go. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, for Rachel Dalton and Anna Lovelace, this has been Wine, Dine, and 69. And let's keep talking. Mm-hmm.